Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there. Are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media with out the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Hello, hello, everybody. You all are in for a treat today with this one because today we have Seattle-based company XCJ, which is a cool e-commerce brand, and they have amazing things like soup dumplings, skewers. They have a really good ice cream um, that's green tea flavored that I am dying to get my hands on. Um, they are so cool, Caleb and Jen. They're amazing, and they're two of the founders of the company. And they're just going to be telling us how they got started, where the idea came from, their background, and they have such a cool story, and they're so cool, amazing. So tune in, grab a notepad, because they dropped some true gems on this episode. So hope you enjoy. Caleb and Jen, thank you guys so much for being here today. Thank you for having us on your podcast. So before we get started, we always like to ask all of our guests the question, um, what does the term young influential mean to you when you hear it? Yeah, good, good question. So tying that to XCJ, I think when we started the company, we saw something uh, that didn't really exist uh, in the market that we wanted to see. And so uh, rather than kind of talk about it, we did a bunch of stuff to make that happen. And through that kind of uh, bring that bring, at least for us, soup dumplings to life, we've influenced at least the soup dumpling market um, in, in a decently sized way. And I think generally speaking, young influentials to us means either uh, using your voice to actively change something or uh, at least contributing to something that might be happening in the environment. And from other people hearing some of these anecdotes, then they can you know, draw their own conclusions and make the change they want to. Come on, both really good answers. Come on, change makers. <laughs> <laughs> So let's first start with like, can you guys like introduce like what your roles are um, at XCJ and then explain a little bit about like what XCJ is? Sure. Uh, so I'm the CEO and I cover um, a couple of functions right now. It's D2C, uh, supply chain uh, and finance. 
Uh, and I'm Jen, and I'm also one of the co-founders. I lead our product and our marketing teams, and we're heavily involved, of course, in all the other parts of the business, like production, sales, partnerships, uh, everything else that you can think of. Amazing. So let's zoom out a little bit. How did the concept come about? Like, did you guys study something in school where you guys had this like entrepreneurship spirit in you or kind of like remind us back to young Caleb and younger Jen? <laughs> yeah, I actually studied neurobiology in college. So a very different topic. And Caleb actually was in finance. So I was in health tech right before and Caleb was in finance. So very, very different industries. Uh, I would probably say we're entrepreneurial from an early age, but not necessarily, you know, thought that this was the path that we were going to be in, be on. And I think industry wise did not imagine that we would be in the food and bev industry either, but it's been really fun. So how it all started was we actually have a friend, our third co-founder, and he uh, had been going into the restaurant industry and asked if we were interested in joining him on his ventures. And at the time, he actually had started some poke restaurants, but I'm allergic to fish and I had no food uh, experience. So I had said no at that point. And he kept kind of looping in looping us in on conversations and we had told him, hey, it would be amazing if you started a restaurant with this one particular food item, which is actually Caleb's favorite food item. Um, it's called Sinjin Bao, which is a pan fried soup ball, which is uh, some people think like three times better than a soup dumpling. <laughs> <clears throat> So we asked him to start that so we could just selfishly eat it. And he did a really good job roping us in. So we actually started the restaurant about four years ago before, you know, the overall e-commerce company. Yeah. And then uh, fast forward to 2020, obviously sales were down a bunch and we decided we had kind of a couple paths. We knew we didn't want to furlough uh, employees and kind of let everyone go. So we decided instead of shutting things down, decided to reinvest in the business and launch the e-commerce side. Uh, and initially it was just for local people who can go to dim sum places. And that was great uh, and went pretty organically viral in our local community. But then we started seeing that people from New York and Chicago and Texas started reaching out and we're like, oh, there's there must be really big nationwide demand. And so over the past year and a half, We've done a lot in terms of scaling production, building out the nationwide shipping infrastructure, uh, and we've really grown that side of the business. And now, um, uh, now it's been great to kind of see that scale up. And I feel like what's so cool about you guys is kind of like what you touched on, um, how you guys put an emphasis on like the taste and the freshness of it, because I feel like during the pandemic, when a lot of businesses were kind of going through the same thing with their restaurants and stuff, they try to find like cheaper or other alternatives to kind of still give the experience. But I feel like you guys really focused on like, no, I want people to feel that same enjoyment that they did with the restaurant, but like at their home or at a night out or, so, or at a picnic in the park or something. Totally. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head in that we're always working backwards from the customer experience. So it's not enough to, um, just get the dumplings to someone's door. We have to make sure it's as good as, uh, you know, in, in a dumpling house. If it's melted, we feel that that's on us. Um, if it's expensive, we feel that's that's on us. So we've done a lot of work like manufacturing in-house, which allows us to keep uh, the quality up. Uh, our supply chain network, we it's a little bit complicated, but we've been able to cut 
dollars out of the cost structure versus what other people do. And we pass that savings on to the customer. So we're fully kind of end to end first principles, thinking through what makes the best customer experience and trying to invest and, and be as thoughtful as we possibly can. Um, uh, the other thing I'll mention is like if UPS has a delay, like we proactively monitor every single shipment and then reach out to the customer saying, hey, let us reship it for you. Uh, it's a UPS issue, but like, you know, that's like we take full ownership of that. So that's very much the ethos of the company. Um, and we, we do very limited things. We make only soup dumplings. So like we want that to be like world class. Uh, and, and so that's our approach. Yeah. And I think actually we also were very lucky with the timing of when this happened. Um, there are lots of people who are focused on authentic, genuine, you know, experiences and flavors and representation of food. So actually one fun fact is we saw on Google keyword search um, a year into doing this. Uh, there was more. There were more searches for Shalomvel than there were for soup dumplings as a term, which is pretty crazy actually uh, to see that reflected online. But that just means that people are ready, I think, for this type of food, and they are looking for real food and experiencing that in a good way. And I feel like you guys touched it touched on it so well, like just taking the accountability with like shipping in general, because like we all know that we've all been shipping things more than often, but I feel like a lot of times like I'll order something and there'll be like no update on it. Like it's like, Oh, like yeah. update to stuff. But you, but you guys being so proactive is just like so revolutionary being like, Hey, let's, we're going to reach out to the customer. We're going to do X, Y, and Z because so many businesses don't just don't do that. And I feel like that just goes to speak about like, it doesn't matter like how big or how small your company is that like, you always want to be just like proactive and really be linking with the customer and like know that, Hey, there is a other person on the line. So it does matter about the overall experience. You don't want them to just be a transactions, but like actually look at them as like each value people. Yeah. And I think even with our proactiveness, there still are some gaps and there are areas of improvement. And I think us being in this now, we really do understand a lot of the back end, what's going on. We do still get a lot of questions of like, hey, where is it? Or I expected this in one day or two days. How come it's been five days and I haven't <laughs> received it? And, you know, it, on the one hand, it's great. Everyone is really looking forward to their product. On the other hand, I think there just isn't a lot of education about how shipping works because everyone is so used to the Amazon two-day prime, you know, um, service models now and that's not really how things are built out for the network across the u.s uh where you do have to get it to like a central location and then there's last mile to get there and if you're out of stock on some items that requires some waiting or balancing to get everything in stock to ship as a bundle to save on shipping and i think these are things that just don't uh naturally they're not at the forefront of anybody when they shop online, which it shouldn't be most of the time because you do want a smooth experience and you're trying to get them, you know, all the way to the end to try your product or purchase the product. And so then it's not reflected in the, you know, purchase process. But for Frozen, it is even more complicated because of all the extra packaging and things that you need to include. And so then um, we have to educate a lot on what goes into getting it successfully to somebody's door. 
And I think just you guys just being transparent and just open with people about that, about like, hey, like this is like what's going on. It works better than like a lot of times, like a lot of us really don't know how shipping works. Like the whole Amazon thing about like, oh, it's, like I ordered this like Tuesday and it took three to five business days. And it's so why is it not here? But you guys just being like, hey, like this is what's going on. And I feel like that's just the best way to build trust, because even though a customer might be frustrated or might be upset about like something being delayed. They're like, well, you know, at least they like, let me know. It's like, if you have to meet somebody for dinner and they don't tell you say it's for seven and they don't tell you that they're late, you're like just sitting there. Like, but if they text and be like, Hey, like I'm running late. Like my cat took my like wig. So I can't find it to like come out or something. You feel you're annoyed, but you feel a little bit better because they at least like give you a heads up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, everything is about expectation setting and clarity. And as long as you can do that, I think anyone can respond to the situation. Um, and I think that's actually where a lot of people do end up following up with us on shipping because they'll say, oh, I planned a dinner party for this specific date and I really wanted it to arrive on that date. If you're able to give them, you know, just ample time beforehand of, oh, it might not get there, then they're able to at least plan around that. Mm-hmm. I think that's so good. And you kind of touched on it a little bit, but like with the Google search comment, but when you guys were coming up with the concept, did you guys feel like there was like a need or a missing piece that you guys were filling within that market? Or like, how did you guys make it, make your guys itself stand out from the rest of the competition basically? Yeah, totally. I think um, any product that we uh, release or anything that we do, we're trying to add value to the ecosystem. So never really want to do any kind of me too products. Uh, so specifically for soup dumplings, uh, there's just no way to ship restaurant quality soup dumplings online and get it to your house. Um, so it certainly felt uh, filled the need during COVID. But then also beyond that, um, you can't even get soup dumplings delivered because the dough congeals and the soup is gone by the time it, it's it arrives. And it's also very expensive on in uh, in restaurants. And so we're not only uh, fill, filling the kind of pricing need, but also the quality need. And so that's kind of our structure when we think about product is on price, on convenience, on quality, um, are we able to add value to ecosystem? Um, or it could be something different, totally different, like Syndrome Bao, which is what Jen mentioned earlier, um, actually does not exist in, in the US at all. And so now we're introducing something new. So that could be another um, driver of introducing. But the overarching framework is adding value to the customer. We have to have a reason for, for why we exist and not just to you know, do any copycat sort of activities. That's so cool. And I feel like that's really cool that you guys are introducing new foods too, also into the market at an affordable rate. And also just like constantly thinking of all those elements in place. Cause a lot of times when people are coming with products, they're like, you know what, like it's expensive. So they're going to have to pay for it versus you are like, we actually do these new products and introduce our community to these things, but keep it at an affordable rate. Yep. Without compromising on quality. So doing others like efficiency. So like that's, that's the other thing so yeah and um so does social media play a huge part in your guys's community like i know you guys do a lot of cool like cooking videos and like do a lot of cool partnerships um and things but like how does that play yeah so social media i would say marketing is actually probably one of our weaker points between the two of us um it's a little bit less natural than the operational side of things or the planning and um, sales side of things. But for marketing, uh, we actually hadn't 
really actively invested in social media until the last month or two, essentially. So it's been on our list of to-dos and we finally do have a creative brand director and we're starting to hire a team and we've um, started looping in content creators who really match us in terms of, hey, how can you tell this story a little bit better of what the culture is, what the product is, like what goes into making some of these things. So I think social media will play a really big part in portraying that. So our first item of soup dumplings is really easy to understand because a lot of people know what this is. So most of our purchasers have heard of it. They've tried it somewhere, whether they've traveled to get it at some point, or they lived in a city that they had access to, and now they don't live there anymore, or they still live there. So soup dumplings was a little bit of a lightning in the bottle kind of thing to start with, but our subsequent products, so we release skewers and we release ice cream this summer, and then we actually have a new product coming up that we're releasing in October. These require a lot more education than soup dumplings. They're just not as mainstream or maybe people have heard of it, but they don't understand the nuances. So for skewers, uh, for example, um, everyone has had skewers of some type, but it's the the cuisine, for example. So like shish kebab is very different from satay, which is very different from yakitori, which is very different from Chinese barbecue skewers. The concept of meat on a stick is the same thing, but the spices actually used and what the flavor looks like is completely different, or even the choices in meat that would be used. And without understanding that nuance, then it's hard to get to why is this product good or why should I pay for this product? And I think that's a lot where social media will come in is educating on those pieces of like, what makes it a good Chinese barbecue skewer? What makes it authentic? Why hasn't this existed um, and been brought over? Because it's actually much less ubiquitous than soup dumplings in the US, even though it's actually one of the biggest street foods in China. So I think social media will give us a chance to do a lot of this education. And that's just for the product itself. On top of that, I think we're also talking about culture and where that's moving in the U.S. quite a bit. So I think there's been a lot of uh, momentum and change in the last two years around, you know, Asian American culture and what that means and bringing that to the forefront. And there's a term that we really resonate with. It's called third culture. So your first culture is where your parents were born or maybe you were potentially born. Your second culture is where you reside now, which is the U.S. And third culture is a really bridging of those two and amalgamation. And it's going to be a little bit different from either or. And what does that mean for us in the space that we occupy? So I think social media will also play a really important part in telling that story. So just from like an organic standpoint, I think that gives us a lot of room to work with, obviously on top of things like blogs or emails or videos or whatever other communications we might be doing, but social media is just consumed obviously the most. So it gives us a way to tell that story the best. And then on top of that, most of our advertising is on social media. So that of course is a really big part of the business regardless. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. And I think that's really cool. You touched on a point, like explain a little bit more about like the background and the importance of the foods and stuff. Cause I feel like with like younger um, shoppers and consumers, like Gen Z and millennials, like we always like to see kind of more behind the scenes of like how the food came to be the backstory. And I feel like that really ties into the authenticity of the brand and helps people follow it more. So even if they weren't originally a fan of that type of food, they're like, wait, but like, this is such a cool story and they want to follow along and then try it. So it's like they, you build off that excitement from like educating people and them seeing like your true authentic self and being able to explain it and stuff to really bring in new consumers and people who are just interested in wanting to try it out. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, we have so many things that we track internally about like what makes a world-class soup dumpling that we should be really telling like dough to filling ratio, like how much pork is in there on a gram basis, like soup to, you know, gelatin ratio, like there's so much stuff. So I think we're going to do like a series of education, how we look at a soup dumpling versus others and, um, and cutting other products. Uh, but um, historically, to Jen's point, we've kind of done marketing in the very classic uh, Asian American way that our parents taught us, like, do not tell, just show um, and don't like kind of tell, like, be overly uh, boastful about kind of what you're doing. And so we've just kind of led with the product and make sure product is great, customer experience is great, and, and people will tell people. Um, and But now we're starting to lean into uh, the education and kind of true core marketing side of things as well. I'm excited for those. I'm definitely going to be tuning in. That's going to be, I can like picture it now, like a cool like IGTV series, if that's still a thing, or TikToks are real. Like, I don't know if that's still a thing. Yeah. <laughs> they like change so often. That, that's so two weeks ago before Facebook totally got rid of everything and just promoted Reels. Yeah, I don't know how I'm like, is that still a thing? Like, where do people go? But are there any, do you guys do any like events also? In, um, <clears throat> are there any like chefs or anything that you guys work with that you do like partnerships with as well? So uh, we did do events like Coachella and Lollapalooza. So those were really fun to do and very different. So at Coachella, we were in the VIP section um, and we were, you know, one of like five or six vendors there. And so that was really great in terms of getting to know the people and uh, brand awareness there. And then Lollapalooza, we did do the Artist Lounge and actually gave away samples. And they had very different experiences in terms of how people interact with the food and the brand and what they want to learn about. Um, and those two events were pretty big for us. We're trying to do more pop-ups or community events and work with other brands. 
um, physically. We have done a few giveaways on email and social media, just in terms of working together with other Asian founded companies and bringing awareness to those companies and anything that might have a little bit of synergy there. Um, in terms of chefs, we have wanted to really explore doing that with other chefs and bringing some food uh, to market. So a lot of the conversation has been very interesting where the chefs at restaurants have explored doing e-commerce before, but because the um, entry, the barrier to entry is so high in terms of where do you manufacture this? How do you distribute it? Unless you just do a regional thing, in which case then it's better to focus potentially on the restaurant itself. Um, those have been really interesting conversations. And a lot of co-packers, co-manufacturers don't understand Asian ingredients. And so that's a really big part into making the food is like you're sourcing the right things and you know how to source it. And if you run out of supply, which is definitely happening right now, what do you replace that with and doing the R&D around it? So it truly is a 100% separate business. And so when we talk about working with chefs, it is a conversation around, is there a product that we could potentially do together? But that is a very big lift and it takes a really long time. So we're early on that journey, but um, definitely wanting to collaborate with some chefs there. And I feel like you touched on a good point too, like making, like <clears throat> how we talked about, like with keeping the ingredients and keeping the quality, like making sure you're working with people who are like, okay, if this does run out, like, do we have something that we can do that will keep its spikes? I feel like a lot of, we, like I said earlier, my point where people like run up and like, oh, right, that ingredient's gotten too expensive. So we're using that. And then the quality goes down and then, they lose their customers and like, wait, what happened? What what, what did we do yeah. wrong? And it's like, um, you switch the brown butter to something else cheap and we want the brown butter cookies we're used to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, I think with every, I mean, supply chain is challenging right now. There's a lot of other world stuff uh, going on, which makes things challenging. It's been helpful for us to always have the North Star of quality and accessibility. And so, you know, if there's ever a decision where it's like on the margins, like, well, does this, decrease quality or accessibility. And if no, then that hard decision actually becomes a very, very easy decision because you know your North Star will never change. And thus, then everything just cascades from that. Like, uh, like if only every business was were thinking like you all, like just uh, just so revolutionary, just so just ahead of, ahead of the curve with that. <laughs> I think we're also... Um, I think we're also just in a very, like, privileged, fortunate section of the business right now where we can make these choices for the company. I think there are a lot of companies that struggle um, in terms of, oh, do you not have the product market fit or have you not been able to, you know, find the resources or the funding to be able to expand enough to make some of these decisions easier. And we've been on a path that has allowed us to be able to make these decisions. But I think if we're in a less fortunate position of funding or resources or, you know, um, finding something that people really like, then we probably would have to start making these really, really hard trade-off decisions. And then it just becomes, do you compromise on these aspects or do you do you shut your business down? And so I feel like definitely seeing that in some places as well. Yeah, that's so true. And speaking of that, like, do you, are there any like different avenues or different things, like regardless of like product or markets or anything you guys are looking to like eat, like slowly scale into more as you guys, like you said, start weighing out those decisions and stuff that 
um, that you guys want to do next? Yeah, I mean, I think for us, uh, we mostly do direct-to-consumer online. Um, and because of the frozen shipping aspect there, I think um, our costs are reasonable, but our total order value is fairly high because it has to make sense as a bundle to ship out. You know, if we're shipping like one single carton of ice cream, it just, the math doesn't work out. And because of that, that still does uh, limit this, the population that we can actually um, be a fit for right now. So when you look at other channels, then we are thinking omni-channel in terms of brick and mortar stores. We do have one restaurant. So where should we expand? And this gives people another type of experience to try us out. Um, there are a lot of street foods that, that just won't do well frozen or shipped. And so those will do better in a restaurant setting. And then thinking through, you know, retail, wholesale, all of those different pieces where you could do smaller bundles and packages and orders where somebody can try out a new type of food. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Come to New York. If you guys are a new one, come to New York. <laughs> We'd love to yes, have you. Yes, we, we love New York. We both lived there before. Oh, we'd love to have you. And then, um, are you, I know you have uh, roots with Dallas, but do you guys have any Texas locations as well? Or is that on the, is that on the horizon, Texas, maybe? <laughs> we do have, uh, one of our warehouses actually is in Texas. Uh -huh. uh, so we can prioritize all Texas customer one day delivery. Uh, so that's that's what we're doing for uh, Dallas today. Uh, but yeah, huge, huge, uh, huge love for Asian food down there as well. So it's on the list. I love that. And I know we touched a little bit about um, like different products, like the skewers and other things that you guys are looking to expand to. But are there any that we can all look forward to or ones that you guys are wanting to do next, aside from the ones that we just talked about? Yeah, so actually, um, so skewers and ice cream are already out. And then in October, um, we're launching noodles. So that'll be a whole line of noodles that we're preparing. So that'll be our next big thing. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I'll, 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 noodles and ice cream. So many good things coming. I can't wait. <laughs> but um, are there any other like cool events and stuff that you guys would like to participate? Like I know you said you guys did Lollapalooza and Coachella, but are there any other ones? Like I'm thinking like, I don't know, like ACL and Austin or South Byer. Are there any others like that you guys would like to participate in? Yeah, we're thinking about it. ACL, South By are definitely on our list. Um, we're doing a couple of more local ones. So there's one called the Asia Night Collective Market, and that is actually end of this week, and it'll be in um, DC. So definitely encourage people or you to go if this is not released before then, but um, that'll be a really nice collection of uh, Asian foods and food booths to go try as a night market, kind of like the way that they have it in Richmond in Canada or in LA. So they'll have that version there. And then we also are participating in the LA Times Food Bowl, and that's at the end of September. But yes, next year, ACL and South By are high up on our list. Yes, you guys have me so excited now. <laughs> Um, but what I think is also really cool about you all is like you guys are very transparent with like the, like we've been talking about uh, like the troubles and how to like function as a small business. Is there any advice that you guys have for people who are like, you know what, like 
want to make the transition to the e-commerce space or who are just small businesses trying to like figure out, like you guys said, like figure out how to use social media and these other aspects. Like, do you have any advice for anybody who's like in either of those boats? Go ahead. Um, yeah. So I, I think it depends on like where uh, the person is on the journey, but broadly, I think there's a couple of um, things that are applicable to everyone. The first thing is probably just to get started um, and you, like you don't kind of get overly um, hung up on it. everything has to be perfect. Like you should actually plan for 60% of things to not go the way <laughs> that you, you plan. So plan for uh, failures or setbacks and just get started. Um, and then the, the second thing counter to that though, is like uh, to get started, you have to have a long-term plan of like what it takes to scale um, and so there has to be a plan of like, hey, if I do, ultimately over the next X years, like if I do X, Y, Z, like then the economics or the long term uh, traction of the business will work. Um, but in the beginning, you have to make it perfect. Just get started. Look, look at the data, make pivots as you see fit. There's going to be a lot of pivots and a lot, of, a lot of adjustments, but have the overarching North Star and goal in mind and just get started. Uh, that was going to be almost exactly my same <laughs> advice, oh, which, uh, still, still <laughs> which is um, just to try things out. I think people do over-index. Um, as a startup, uh, they do over-index on, I need to have every single component perfect before I launch something or before I try something. Um, and a lot of times they just don't turn out exactly the way that you would expect. So one example is we actually almost launched noodles last year and we were just going to launch with a spicy noodle and we had a lot of sales um, in Seattle, which is where we had limited it to. And then we had survey forms for people to fill out. And that was actually really interesting for us to learn that people didn't know what the dish was. They didn't know what the spices in it were. So they didn't know. Um, we have something called mala, which is a spicy, tingly, numbing feel. And most of the US have not has not experienced this. And so they didn't know what that meant or if there was something wrong with the food. Like, was it, you know, were they having an allergic reaction or was it really salty and that's why their mouth was puckering? And so for us, we were like, oh, wow, okay, we did not expect so many people who have never heard of it to also purchase it and then have this reaction and not understand it. And I think for us, that was really helpful to have done a small launch and test before we rolled out the whole thing and we were ready with it because it did show us um, we could have approached it a lot differently, which is why we're launching this year um, with a suite of noodles so that we don't have to compromise on that taste um, and give other people options. Um, so that way, that's not your first interaction. But I think doing that first test is really hard for people to pull the trigger on sometimes. And we just you know, I think that would be the biggest advice is just to try it. There are lots of ways to try something that is, you know, the first idea or rough outline or the MVP, um, minimum viable product for the acronym. But for people to try that, I think is really, really helpful to determine which path to go in because it'll just branch in very unexpected ways most of the time. But exactly like Caleb said, having some idea of like, let's assume this does go well, where would you want to take it? And that helps align any team members that you have in making decisions and enable them to make those decisions quickly. And I feel like that's so true. A lot of us we don't start anything because we're like, oh, well, 
we're, cause we're comparing like our day one is somebody's like day 500 in the business and we get so wrapped up yes. in it and it's like, um, nobody just started there. Like when Jeff was creating Amazon, like it was not two day shipping on day one. It like they just got there. And so I feel like that's such good advice, especially for, um, young people who are like trying to start businesses, like to know that you, it's like what you, what you said, Caleb, like it's, you have to pivot with stuff. Something doesn't work out like you thought it would be. And you just have to try it first. You can't just stay in your head and be like, Oh, I don't know. It's like, you have to do it to yeah. like see what's going to work and what sticks. <laughs> I think most companies, if you look, there's actually a very long period in the beginning where they haven't really done a lot. Um, in terms of, if you look at the whole you know spectrum of where the large company or success comes from in the very beginning, there's a disproportionate amount of time where they're kind of figuring out what the business is. And there isn't a lot of acceleration and, and I think it's more about when you do find something working, can you accelerate into that and capture that momentum effectively? That's really what determines the trajectory of the company and not really that beginning period where you are figuring out if it is something. And I think people only really look at the after acceleration portion most of the time. But yeah, to your point, um, people, if uh, you're able to get out of your head a little bit and try a couple of things and just get some initial data points. It'll be a really long time in the beginning, but that's the best way to get started. No, oh, yeah, because hope to stay in your head with the idea and be like, oh, like I don't just do it and like figure it out, <laughs> figure it out later. <laughs> <laughs> but Caleb and Jen, thank you guys so much for joining us. This has all been so good and so helpful. No, thanks for having us. This is a great conversation. Wow, how great was this episode? If you were like me, you probably took a lot of notes and have a lot of questions and comments. So if you do, feel free to add us at Adweek across Twitter, Instagram, all the social medias. And we'd love to hear from you all. And feel free to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That always helps us. And we can't wait to hear from you all and see you in the next episode. So bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Young Influentials, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Aarons, and edited by Lane McGibney at Bountwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.